us and Brother Manuel and to each and every one of you for being here. You know, sometimes we take things for granted. And I think when somebody's going to share a word, then we forget and, and just don't acknowledge that you came to hear from the Lord. And I have the privilege today of getting to share a word with you from the Lord. I want you to let that word sink deep in. Because I think, I believe that the word has healing virtue and power in it. And I believe that this word today is going to be just what some of you need. Many of you. you you've got, you've, you've been looking for answers. You know, Christians struggle a lot seeking to find God's way. And it seems like we spend a whole lifetime doing that. And I don't, I'm not trying to tell you I've got some big mysterious secret. But I am telling you that the Word of the Lord is enough to set you free. So you just let it sink in. You hear the Word of the Lord. And you let that healing virtue overtake you as the Spirit of the Lord moves as He did upon the face of the waters before creation. Father, I, I thank you that we have the privilege today of being here and of talking about you. I thank you that your word is the standard that you gave us long before any of us were born, whereby we can count on you, whereby we have a standard that's older and wiser than we, whereby we have a rock, an anchor, that when things are in turmoil, your word is everlasting. Let it come forth today in power by the work of your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Dorman will probably tell you that he never preaches, that he's not a little nervous when he gets up there. And you probably think, well, he preaches every Sunday. He doesn't get nervous anymore. He does, doesn't he? Because we're but a vessel. I'm, I'm up here just as a vessel. You didn't come to hear me. You came to hear God, didn't you? And you're going to. We've been learning for quite some time now here in this church and throughout the body of Christ a number of things. And I'm not going to go to all these scriptures, but we've, we've learned that we are crucified, buried, resurrected, and ascended with Christ. We've learned that we made the exchange of my sin for His righteousness. We've learned that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Having been born again of an incorruptible seed. We've learned that we have put off the old man or the old nature, the self-centered nature, and have put on a whole new nature. We're not the same people that we were before. We've got that, right? We understand that. And we've learned that we've made the exchange to become identified with Christ by denying ourselves and following Him. 
And all of you have heard sermons about every one of those, haven't you? And you've, you've learned it. And sometimes you're asking this question, if all of these things are true in my life, then why do I struggle trying to accomplish God's work and God's way in this life? If I've got all this truth in me, why do I struggle trying to walk it out? Now, wait a minute. Am I the only one here that feels that way? I guess so. Nobody else struggles, right? Okay, y'all just pamper me and listen as if it fits you too, and I'll preach to myself, okay? Now, if you want to turn to John chapter 6, we're going to start there. Because I think the, I think the people of Jesus' day had the same question. John 6, verse 28. And this is what the people said. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? That's the question I just asked, right? What do I have to do to accomplish God's will and God's way? In my life. And look at the verse, verse 29, which Jesus responds. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? They said, What must we do to do the works of God? And He said, This is the work of God. Here's what you do to walk in God's way, is you believe. On the one he has sent. No, 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 Lord. I didn't want you to tell me believe. I already know all of that. I want you to tell me what I got to do. But that's his answer. And he is the Lord. So I have to pay attention to what he says, even if I don't think he's right. You ever ask God a question and he gave you an answer and you didn't think it was right? You're saying, wait, God, you didn't understand my question, maybe. Maybe I need to rephrase it. But God is God. This is the Lord talking. This is red-letter stuff in the Bible. When He says, this is the work of God that you believe on the one He has sent. So, I believe God spoke this to me. Here's the answer to that dilemma. Quit doing but don't give up. Now, what does that mean? It means I quit doing all the things I try to do in my own flesh, in my own strength, in my self-serving motivation, in my old nature, under the law, I quit. I just quit. All those things. By the way, I made a pretty good list there of the things we walk in in the flesh. The law. Self-centeredness. My own strength, the old nature in the flesh. But don't give up, he says. And he, here's what, here was his answer. Believe in the one he has sent. That's not giving up. So why is it that I ought to believe? In Colossians 2 verse 9, he says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
And you, verse 10, are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. So why should I not give up? Why should I believe? Because of who He is. And because of the fact that I'm in Him. In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything about God, everything I could ever want to know, all of the ways and the works and the will of God are complete in Him, in Christ. In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you, he says, are complete in Him. That's pretty thorough, isn't it? So I quit doing But I don't give up because I believe. Let me ask you this question, a question you've probably asked yourself or at least you've thought about. What is it in life as a Christian that I want to accomplish? Well, some might say I want to please God. Some might say I want to bear fruit. Some might say I want to be His disciple. Those are all legitimate answers, aren't they? For the Christian who is sincere, who wants deep down in his heart to do God's will, to walk in God's way, to do the work of God, the same question those people asked in the beginning, what must we do that we might work the works of God? We all have that question, don't we? What is it I have to do to please you, God, to bear fruit, to be your disciple? And here's his answer starting with the fruit. Turn to John chapter 15, and we're going to see his answer. John 15, 4. I'm going to read this out of the English Standard Version, because I think it says it a little better. He says in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't like that. See, I grew up thinking I could do a lot of things. I had people tell me I could do anything I wanted to do. Y'all ever been told that? You ever believed it? And yet, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, that's pretty disheartening if I thought I could do everything, right? Let's read on. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you... Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Now flip over, if you would, guys, to Mark chapter 4, verse 26. I want to read one of Jesus' parables, because he, he restates this a different way. Mark four twenty-six, And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, And should sleep and rise night and day. And the seed should spring and grow up. He knows not how. 
For the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest is come. You see, seed is thrown out there in the ground and it springs up and grows and bears fruit. Remember, that's what we're talking about here is bearing fruit. And he doesn't know how. See, you and I don't know how this works. We, we just don't understand how it works. He said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear fruit. See, he doesn't tell you to go out there and bear fruit. He says, you stay in me and you will bear fruit. So if you want to bear fruit, if that's one of your ambitions, is to bear fruit, the fruit of God, the way of God, then the answer is you have to abide in Him. You don't have to do one, two, three. In fact, he very clearly says, this is the work of God that you believe. In fact, I think we could interpret from that that the way to abide is to believe. Now, that's important. We're going to talk about that more later. The way to abide is to believe. You can bear fruit as a branch by staying connected to the vine. That's what abiding in Him means. It means I recognize that apart from Him I can do nothing, and so I want to bear fruit by staying connected to Him. You ever cut a branch off a tree? A, a, a live branch. A branch that has leaves or fruit on it. What happens to that branch after a few days? First of all, the fruit dies. The leaves die. The branch dies. Apart from me, apart from being connected to the vine which he clearly says is him, I can do nothing. I cannot bear fruit. Fruit bearing is a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. Sovereign. Sovereign. It, it is the work of God in me. It is not my doing. Fruit comes forth because of the seed from which you are born. You can't bear spiritual fruit from a carnal seed. It just won't happen. You can bear spiritual fruit from spiritual seed. And what does First Peter say about the seed? That we are born again of what kind of seed? Incorruptible. If you're born again Christian... You're born of a new seed, an incorruptible seed, one that is of the nature of God Himself. And if you're of the nature of God Himself, then you're like the branch who is connected to the vine. And the fruit's going to come. An apple seed will produce an apple tree which will bear apple fruit. Likewise, a Christian seed 
bears Christian fruit. Abiding in Him is simply staying connected to Him. What does the word abide mean? In the Greek, it simply means this, to stay. To stay. Abide is to stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. Just stay put. Just stay connected. That's what it means to abide. Just stay there. You don't have to do anything else. Just stay. Abide. That's what you've got to do. Abiding in Him is like the branch staying connected to the vine. Now back to that scripture we just read in John 15. The very last verse says, You shall bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. See, that was one of the other questions we had. What is it we want to accomplish in life? We want to bear fruit. We want to be His disciple. Now, you may not feel that way. And if you don't want to be His disciple, then you're not going to get much out of this. But if you want to be His disciple, this is where it is. He said, you shall be, you shall prove to be my disciple. You shall bear fruit and prove to be my disciple. How does that work? Well, let's look at another scripture. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. Luke 14, 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you. Whoa. We lose it? We own? So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Forsakes all that he has. There's another scripture. We're not going to turn there. But in Matthew 10, 37, he says, If you love your father or your mother or your sister or your brother or your wife or your husband or even your own self more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. Now, there's plenty of scripture that tells us we're supposed to love each other. So that sounds conflicting, doesn't it? But notice what he says. He doesn't tell us not to love each other. He says, don't love each other more than you love me. He says, I've got to be up front. He says, I can't be the vine and you be the branch if your life is all about you. If you're all about loving others more than me. The secret of discipleship is to abandon my own purpose, philosophy, and way of life. It is to become Him-centered instead of me-centered. You know, one of the things that we miss most of the time when we become born again is that we think God is all of a sudden there to do what I want. He's kind of the servant boy, you know. And He's there to do my every beck and call. But He pretty much says, you can't be my disciple unless you forsake all. All that other stuff. All that stuff that seems to be important. We have to abide in Him if we're going to bear fruit. And if we're going to bear fruit, that's evidence that we are forsaken our own way in order to be His disciple. 
He has to be the whole picture. He has to be everything. We sang the song, He is the way, the truth, and the life. And I've heard sermons about the truth and the life, but I'm not sure I've heard a sermon about the way. He is the way. His life is the way I am to walk. Now, folks, I'm not talking about what you do on Sunday. In this hour that we come together to perform our, our duty of going to church. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about every day of life. I'm talking about the routine of life. If God's not manifesting Himself in the daily routine of my life, then I'm not walking where God wants me to be. If I talk a good talk and say that I love God and then on Monday I go to work and I say, God, I'll take care of it from here and I'll see you next Sunday. That's not God. That is not the walk that God's called us to. That is not God's way. I'm talking about real, daily, everyday life in the Spirit. I'm talking about God's way. God's way of life. You see, in the old man, in the old nature, before we knew God, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that every man went his own way. We all like sheep have gone astray, and every man has gone his own way. So we have our own way, and we have God's way. I want you to get the thought of, of the word way. The, Proverbs 14, 12 says... There is a way which seems right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. That sounds like deception to me. You ever been deceived? You ever thought something was one way and find out it was the other way? That's deception. I don't know how many people are here this morning. But every one of you have been deceived. Not intentionally. Most people don't intentionally get deceived. But they do get deceived because they believe a lie. They believe something to be true when it's not. Hosea said, You have plowed in wickedness, you have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you did trust in your way in the multitude of thy mighty men. You trusted in your own way. Now when, when I walk in my own way, when I go the way of self, self-centeredness, then who's running my life? I am. I'm my own master. A lot of people like to be their own master. In fact, just about everyone likes to be their own master. There's just something about being in charge, isn't there? Being in control. It makes me my own master. It makes me, it leads to pride. And look at 1 Peter 5, verse 5, and see what God says about pride. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. So the way to deal with pride is to humble yourself. And how do you humble yourself? You cast your cares on Him. You acknowledge that you can't do it yourself. You admit that i got to have help, God, so I cast my cares upon you. I let go of those distractions, all those things of this world that are weighting me down. I throw them over on Him. And, and I'm making Him at that point the Master. So that was the old way. The new way is the distinction of abiding in Him. Abiding in Him. That's what we're talking about today. Calling, seeing, and living as if He is my Master. He is my Master. In John 13, 13, put that up there, would you? John 13, 13. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. Do you call Him Master and Lord? Do you mean it? Is He really your Master and Lord? Or is that just the cliche that's popular these days, so you say it? Only you know, in your heart, who's running your life. Who's in control? Who's the Master? And then down in verse 16 of that same chapter, He says, Verily I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that is sent greater than he who sent him. I cannot accomplish anything unless I relinquish control as the master. I am not going to abide in him, connected to the vine, if I'm running my own life. It's pretty straightforward, pretty simple. If I insist that I have to be in charge of my life, then He'll let me. He'll let me. But I will not be abiding in Him. I will not be doing His will, His work, or walking in His way. You simply cannot abide in Him and be your own master. Now, you're going to have to think about that. You're going to have to ponder that a little bit. Jeremiah told this story about the potter. In Jeremiah 18, he said, Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. He is the master. He's not a genie in a bottle. He's not the servant to jump at my every command. That makes me Lord. He's the master. I get to submit to Him. So if I want to be His disciple, I have to yield to Him. I have to let Him be Master and Lord. And by the way, you can be born again. You can be a Christian. And that does not mean that you made Him Lord. Lord means He's in charge. 
He can be your Savior and not be your Lord. You can still be your Lord, but you will not be acting and walking in the way of truth that is the way of God that He wants us to walk. How does that happen? How do we live the life of a disciple? We trust, trust, trust the Holy Spirit to move in me, to move me from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. Ephesians 2.6 tells us we are seated with Him in heavenly places. See, our way and our location is not here. We are seated with Him in heavenly places. That's being God-centered. John 5.44 says, How can you believe who seek the honor that comes from men and not the honor that comes from God only? See, whoever gets the honor is in charge. If I'm in charge and I do a good deed, then I get the honor. But if I want to honor Him, if I want God to be blessed and fulfill His purpose in life, His way through me, then I have to let Him be the boss. I have to let Him be in control. So I abide in Him by being God-centered, by, being, by having God's viewpoint. And when I have God's viewpoint, all things become new. Colossians 3.3 3 says, You are dead in Christ. Your, your life is hidden, hid with Christ in God. You're hidden with Christ in God. Now, let me ask you this. If you're in God, and that's what we're talking about this morning, abiding in Him, living in Him, dwelling in Him. By the word, the word abide and the word dwell are the exact same Greek word. And they're both used in the New Testament, but they mean the exact same thing. They mean to stay. If I'm dwelling in God, if I'm in Him, now this is pretty logical, if I'm in Him, then I'm looking at everything out there through His eyes. And I tell you, when I look through His eyes, things look a lot different. In fact, some of the very same events or actions that I once have experienced and seen with my eyes can happen all over again and they look a whole lot different. They look totally different because I'm looking from a different vantage point. My perspective is, is different. When I look through God's eyes, I'm looking from above and I'm seeing the bigger picture. You ever experience thinking something to be a certain way and then you backed off? And you looked a little broader, and you found out it, it wasn't that way at all. That's what it is to look through God's eyes. And this is, this is the same thing we've been talking about. When I see through God's eyes, through His viewpoint, 
then I am abiding in Him by faith, by trust. Jesus said in uh, John twelve thirty five, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walks in darkness knows not where he goes. If I walk in darkness, that is walking in my own way. And I don't know where I'm going. You can't, you can't know where you're going if you're in darkness. You've all tried to walk in darkness. What happens? Well, you stumble. You run into things. You might get hurt. You fall. You can't see. But if you walk in the light, and who's the light? He is. He says, walk in the light while you have the light. He is the light. And you follow that way of light, which is God's way. It's not your way. It's God's way. You see, what I'm talking about this morning is abandoning your way of life. You say, I'm not sure I want to do that. You don't have to. You don't have to. But if you want to bear fruit, if you want to please God, you have to abandon your own life. You have to abandon that old, self-centered, self-controlled life and embrace a new one. His. See, the life that we now live in the flesh is not our life. It's His life. And we live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. We're not our own. Now, there's some things about God's way that we should know, and I'm, I'm not going to read every one of these scriptures. But God's way is not traditional. If you want to go study it, look in Mark chapter 7, and you'll find a story where He said, you reject the commandments of God that you might keep the traditions of men. See, that's the way you're going to go if you go your own way. You're going to go after traditions. God's way is new, as, as told to us in Hebrews 10. Saul was a good example of going his own way, even though God had told him what to do through the prophet Samuel. He didn't do it. He got impatient, and he went his own way, and God took the kingdom from him. The Bible speaks of Moses as the man who knew God's ways. He says he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. I want to know God's ways. And I can know God's ways. But I don't get to know them on my terms. I get to know them on His terms. Sometimes we try to change the standard rather than change our own heart. Hebrews 3 gives us a story about that. God's way, God's viewpoint, is to know the will of God. Colossians 1.9 says, For this cause we desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's His viewpoint. You can't know God's will through your own eyes. You can't discern the will of God by evaluating and judging through your own eyes. 
He says, don't judge by outward appearance, but judge righteous judgment. How are you going to judge righteously? You have to look through the eyes of the only one who is righteous. Romans 6.11 says something that we've all struggled with, I think. It says, Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many of you have tried reckoning? Frustrating, isn't it? I reckon, and I reckon, and I reckon, and I reckon, but I'm still not getting there. See, to reckon is to change what you see. And you change what you see by looking from a different perspective. You change what you see by looking through God's eyes. How does all this come to pass? By faith. Oh, here we go again. Faith, faith, faith. All I can hear is believe. Read a book, many of you have read by Deverne Fromke, where he uses a, a word, he calls it faith dash appropriation. And that's what faith is. It is by faith that we appropriate to ourselves those things that God has given us. We exercise that faith and we appropriate. We reach out in faith, trusting in somebody else. Jesus Christ. So how do I abide? How do I walk in the way of God? How do I let Him be my master? By trusting Him. You know, this thing is going to go His way. He's in charge. That's what it means to be God. If you didn't understand that, if you're God, you're in charge. Everybody understand that? God gets to have it His way. I can be a part of that. He has offered that to me. And I can be part of that. And I can walk in His way, fulfill His purpose and His calling. But I will never do it by looking through these eyes or by doing it in my own strength. I will only do it as I embrace Him for who He is, Master, Lord. You know, we don't like those words in America today. You know, we don't call anybody Lord. And we sure don't call Him Master. But He said, you call me Master and Lord, and so I am. It's a fact. He is the Master and Lord. Am I going to live life as if He is? And am I going to trust Him to bear fruit through me, to make me the vessel that He wants me to be by trusting Him? Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you obtained like precious faith? If you're born again, you have. If you didn't have that faith, you wouldn't be born again. You have that faith. 
Now let that faith, that trust in that other one who is Jesus run your life. Don't put it on the back burner. Don't bring it out just when struggles and trials come your way. Make it a way of life every single day. We're talking about a living reality here, folks. We're talking about abiding, dwelling in the vine. I woke up one morning, he said, let's live together. Okay, let's live together. That's what we're talking about, living together in him. Abiding as his disciple, having his philosophy, his way of life, being centered on him, looking through his eyes. He is the master. I can appropriate by trusting Him, I can partake of His divine nature. You can read that right there in Peter where we were. That we get to partake of His divine nature. I no longer live for my sake or for my benefit, but I trust. He said in Matthew ten thirty nine, He who finds his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. So you want to find life? Real life? Life that's life-changing? Life that's full? Life that's abundant? It may not be easy. It may not always be to your benefit. But it will be His way. And what greater joy is there as a Christian than to walk in His way? If you want to play games with God, He'll let you. He's not going to make you do anything. But if you believe that the way of God through Jesus Christ is the way you want to walk, it is the way you've decided to go, you can do it. We just talked about it. This is the way that is right. Lord, I pray that the Word would settle in our hearts. You would strike any part that would not be from You. And You would revolutionize our lives unto Yourself. And that we would go forward as vessels in daily living through whom You can live and move and use us and speak through us and display your great love and glory through us. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen. We done? Okay.